At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. So typically I do something where I got I have you guys uh, repeat after me. Uh, my name is Ryan Powell. If you did not know, I'm on the teaching team. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be here. Uh, quick announcement. Uh, Victor did a wonderful job. Give it up for Victor. So the leadership and staff wants you guys to know that if you missed it last week, you can go to the Facebook page and watch it. And we really need your feedback, you know. Um, he's a great guy, but you can either put it on the connect card or send an email or even, you know, send it, I guess, a DM on Facebook. But it'd be better if you did a connect card or email. So if you haven't got a chance or if you want to rewatch it, do that as well. OK, got it. All right. So I'm going to have you guys repeat after me a prayer and we're going to get into the word. All right. Father, I thank you. For the power of your word, Father, anoint your word today as a seed in my life. Father, anoint the sower, hide him in the gift that comes from you. Lord, thank you for your ultimate sacrifice on the cross. I declare I am free from the power of sin in Jesus' name. You are all I need to overcome the hard seasons. Thank you that you will never leave me or forsake me. Father, today, I do believe that I will receive a life-changing, destiny-accelerating revelation of you by your word, through your spirit, under your anointing. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Give it up for yourselves for being such a good class. It's very interesting that we are going through the book of Lamentations, grief, pain, desolation, uh, trauma, grief. Um, A lot of times when people tell us stories, they tell us stories about positive endings. Um, But I have a story and it doesn't end positively, but I think it'll help us um, as we get through um, the sermon today. Um, I want to make sure that Um, we remember one thing. Repeat after me. Whenever Ryan tells a story, he is not the hero. Jesus is the hero. Ryan is not the hero. Jesus is the hero. Thank you very much. So um, we're going to put up a picture of Uh, Coach Darnell, this is my college football coach. Um, 
I went to WMU in Kalamazoo. Um, some people knew that. Um, I played cornerback. That's the guy who tries to stop the wide receiver from catching the ball. They usually say uh, receivers who can't catch become cornerbacks. I can't see. Um, that's why I have this very large extra print, extra large print Bible because I've always kind of been blind, so I play defense. Um, so I was my sophomore, junior year, redshirt, sophomore, junior year. Um, I got a little bit of playing time. I was um, doing special teams and things like that. But I was going into my senior year campaign. I had just come off an amazing spring game. The summer was great. We went into camp. Um, I'm competing in the positions. Top four, we competing. It's looking really, really good. Like, I get to, I, it's like I'm about to attain my dream. I'm finally going to be able to play on ESPN2. <laughs> so, everything is good. And there's a time when you go to, like, it's a summer camp. You do two-a-days. And then you start scaling back on the intensity of the practices. And what ends up happening is, at the time, you're the only one there. Just you and the football team, maybe some other summer teams, but that's it. But then the entire campus comes back. So at, on my campus, it was a tradition. When the, when the students come back, all the uh, Greek fraternities would throw what is called an icebreaker. I was the president of one of the fraternities, so I usually take part in the icebreaker. But the only caveat to the story is we had curfew. Curfew was at 9 p.m., 10 p.m.-ish. So if I decided to go to the icebreaker, I would be breaking curfew. But I said to myself, self, it wouldn't be an icebreaker if, what, if I'm not there. How can the people enjoy themselves if I don't go? And so that might sound a little silly to you, but sometimes we'll say anything to do what we want to do. We'll come up with any type of reason to do what we know we shouldn't do. So long story short, uh, I break curfew. We go to the party. All right, everybody's having a good time. Um, plot twist, some of the football players get into what we call locals. Locals are the people who live around the college town, but they don't go to college, but they come to all the parties. The, some people in the football team, they get into with the locals and they start shooting. Nobody gets hurt, but they start shooting. So... I'm like, the party's over. We didn't finish, but I, I'm like, okay, great. We got out of there. Hopefully nobody hears about it on the team. I come into the facility the next day, the next morning for practice. Ryan, go to Car Coach Darnell's office. He needs to speak to you. Okay, 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 okay. Um, and as I'm going to his office, my friend, we call him Pill, he came out of Coach Darnell's office, but it was weird because he didn't look me in the eye. He was looking down at the ground. I'm like, what? That's my boy. Why? Okay. So I go in the office. Ryan, sit down. This guy's from Arkansas. He has a he, Oklahoma. He went to Oklahoma State. He's a big lineman. Um, very angry man. I heard Peel told me that they was at your party last night. That low down, dirty dog ratted on me. <laughs> ah, well, coach, actually, it wasn't my party. It was the other organizations, and I happened to be a part of the organization. But, you know, hey, it wasn't mine. And he said, what time was the party over? Two o'clock. What? Two o'clock. In the morning? Get out! And when he said get out, that was the end of Ryan Powell's football dreams.
Because guess what? I got demoted to the practice team. I was on the traveling team. I got demoted to the practice team, and I spent my senior year not fulfilling my dream. The, uh, the positional coach told Ryan, don't break curfew. The defensive coordinator told Ryan, don't break curfew. The head coach told Ryan, don't break curfew. I could blame Peel for being a rat. I can blame the coaches for not understanding. But the reality was I had been told over and over and over again not to do something. And I chose to do otherwise. The people who had the power and the authority to make my dreams come true by putting me on the field. I made a decision within myself to disobey what they told me. And I had to reap the consequences. How many of us are like that? How many of us have been in a position where a pain, a grief, or a bad situation, not because of everybody else, but because of decisions we made or decisions someone close to us made? And that's where we find ourselves today in Lamentations. The people of God have been told multiple times for centuries, serve the Lord your God. Do not go after idols. Come out of sin. And they refused to listen. Prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet came. And not only did they not listen, they began to kill the messenger. So they decided to leave God and anybody that reminded them of God, they would try to kill or prison. One of those people that they, they tried to kill and in prison was the prophet Jeremiah. He was the one who continually told them that the Lord wanted them to change their ways. So let's see what Jeremiah said to them before Lamentations. Y'all with me? So we're going to go to Jeremiah. And we're going to read verses 2. Which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken per persistently to you. But you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear. Although the Lord persistently sent you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from the old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. So God makes a statement. Nothing will happen to you if you listen to me. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. So he lets you know that the things that you're doing, it's not, it's not going to hurt me, it's hurting you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against his land and inhabitants, and against all these surrounding nations, I will devote them to destruction 
and make them a horror, a hissing and an everlasting desolation. So because if you continue to disobey me, I am going to allow Babylon to wreak terror on your lives. Moreover, I will banish you from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So this is where we're finding the children of God in this moment. They are in ruin and desolation because what Babylon has done to the promise. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So God says to them, this is, this is before lamentations. So lamentations is an opportunity for them Excuse me. Lamentations is the actual result and the consequences of not listening to God through Jeremiah earlier before they were in this time. So sometimes God sends us messages and situations to keep us from the pain, to keep us from the trauma, to keep us from these dark, dark places. And sometimes we don't listen. And in this situation, we see, oh, how the mighty have fallen. The people of God, the children of God, God's chosen people. When you read in the Old Testament, they were they spent 400 years in Egypt. Then they spent 40 years in the wilderness, all to obtain the promise of God, where they were eating grapes the size of men's heads, where the land overflowed with milk and honey. How did they go? How was this fall from grace even possible? It happened because they decided not only to not listen to God, but to serve another God. So it wasn't like they're like, you know what, God, I'm not serving no God. They said, I'm not going to serve you. I'm actually going to serve another God. I know I'm standing in your promise. I know that all that I have, I know the stories of you saving me time and time again, but I'm choosing the other God. No wonder he was mad. He put a whole plan in motion. And when we when we finally get what he promised us, we spit in his face and go after other gods. How can a good God do something like this? How could a good God not do something like this? If we are harming ourselves, if we are putting ourselves in situations where the end is destruction, God has to intervene and he has to get our attention. The, the, the magnitude of what we're going to see in Lamentations, it has nothing to do with God and everything to do with us. We didn't respond to the loving and graceful and merciful God. We didn't respond to that. We didn't respond to when he sent Jeremiah. We respond to calamity and craziness and pain and grief and trauma. And if, if that's what God has to use to get you to see who he is so you can be in right fellowship, so he can give you all that he has for you, so be it. This isn't pain for pain's sake. This is pain caused by 
decisions made by a people. How did they get there? It all started with the sins of the father. But it takes us to the big thing. The big idea. They wanted it all. They wanted everything, but they did not want God. So they turned their backs on God. And when they turned their backs on God, they found out without God, people perish. If you don't have God in your family, your family will perish. If you don't have God in your life, in your finances, in your career, it's worthless and it will perish. Because all that we had is, have is from him. We can't disconnect ourselves from the God that gave us the promise and keep the promise. That doesn't make sense. I'm, God, it, no, I'm not God. This is God over here. He gives you a promise. And you say, okay, I'm good with you. I'm gone. No, it don't work like that. We have to understand that this good and gracious God knows what's best for our lives. Even if we don't understand he has a track record of being good and gracious and holy and righteous. And he is the one that has continually been faithful to us. We have been the unfaithful ones. He's good. But the, the best part is, even before we get into lamentations, but sometimes we'll get stuck in the misery. Bef God told them after 70 years, the punishment will be up. So before they even went into lamentations, God told them, you're only going to be spending 70 years here and I will forgive you. So God, from the very beginning, before they even stepped into the pain, God had already let them know there was a way out already prepared for them. So when you are in pain and when you're going through things, there's a God that has a he has an expiration date for that pain and that grief. So if you're going through something right now, if you're in the middle of, of a trial and it feels like the world is crashing in on your heads. You must understand that there's an expiration date to your pain. And goodness and mercy is coming your way. How did we get there? So a kingdom divided. I'm, I'm going to run through this real quick, but I, I have to stick to a point. So this is the uh, picture of Israel and Judah. So you have Solomon. Solomon is the one who built the beautiful, wonderful, awesome temp temple. It was beautiful. People would come far and wide. The temple would house the house of God. They received the promise. Uh, his father united the kingdom of Israel, and everything is going great. And Solomon decides to start marrying outside of the family of God. Not only marrying, but marrying hundreds and hundreds of women. And not only did he do that, but all of those women, he took on their gods. And he got the entire nation of God to follow after the sins of their flesh and their desire. And God told them, because you did that, I'm going to split the kingdom. You have Israel and you have Judah. It used to be just one totally together because of, but because the sins of the father, the promise was split in half to my fathers in this building. I know sometimes life gets hard. I know it gets difficult. And even to my fathers-to-be who haven't even found their wife yet and your heart is to be a father, remember this, 
the things that we do and we don't do. The sacrifice is not just for us. It's for uh, generations to come. So when I tell you and I stand here to you and say it's worth you overcoming that thing that that's holding you back. Not just because of your destiny, because of all the children behind you. So I, I, I implore you and I motivate you and I even push you to live holy, live righteous, stand in your anointing, lead your family under the power of the Holy Spirit because there's repercussions if you don't stand in your godly place. So the, the kingdom is split. You have Judah and Jerusalem. His son only gets two of the tribes of Israel. There's 12 of them. He only gets two. God gives it away to a servant. The servant becomes king. He serves evil. Guess what? They get destroyed. Judah does the exact same thing. And now we find ourselves in Lamentations where the Babylonians came and took them into captivity. Why? Because they decided to go after other gods and they would not listen to the people of God. So the thing is, they didn't just lose Jerusalem. As you can see, Jerusalem and Israel represented the promise that we read about all in the Old Testament. So the promise was this beautiful, wonderful thing. Now it's in calamity because the Babylonians have come and destroyed the whole temple, the whole city. They've taken down the temple. They've taken the people of God and put them in captives and put them into exile. And only the, the downtrodden and the poor were left in the city. It was a bad, bad scene. Some would say they were busted and disgusted. All right, let's go to Lamentations. So we're going to go to Lamentations 4. But before we go there, I want you to know what we see here is that precious people become worthless when they leave God. Precious people become worthless when they leave God. People who God called his royal priesthood, they become worthless. The value and the glory of God that is that is that is within them and surrounding them. When it leaves, we have no worth. How the gold has grown dim, how the pure gold is changed. The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion worth their weight in fine gold. How they are regarded as earth and vessels. I'm going to start over. How the gold has grown dim. How the pure gold is changed. So when they're talking about the gold, they're talking about the temple. So the temple had all this beautiful jewelry and gold in it. And now the gold had been, when the Babylonians came in and, and wrecked the city, they destroyed the temple. So now all you see is scattered remnants of the temple. And they used to be shining gold. Now they're covered in dust, spread everywhere. So the very temple of God, the place that housed the power and the presence of God, now is in ruin. How the holy stones lie scattered in the head 
of every street. The precious sons of Zion worth their weight in fine gold. How they regarded as earthen pots the work of potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast. Let me back up. He said, they used to, the, the, the sons and daughters of Zion used to be like beautiful gold. Now they're like broken pots on the ground. Without God, the people are worthless. From gold to broken pots. This one is, a, this is, go, this, when we get into this, this is going to be hard to hear because you guys won't be able to fathom this. Even jackals offer the breast. They nurse their young, but the daughters of my people has become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness. So jackals are ruthless, despised animals. And the Bible says that even they give milk to their children. But the, because of sin, the women of God, are no, they become cruel to their children. They're like ostriches. In the Bible, it says that ostriches lay their children, lay their hats, lay their children and leave the eggs to be trampled by the by wild animals and human feet. They abandon and leave their children as orphans. And the Bible says that the ostrich is a better mother than a woman in sin. The tongue of the nursing infant six sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives to them. So these, the babies, they're dehydrated, they're hungry, and there's no one to give to quench their thirst, and there's no one to give them food because everything is gone, and it's every man, child, and woman for themselves. This is what it looks like when you Turn your back on God and you start chasing other gods. It is awful. This is Jeremiah telling he, in this poem, he is depicting and being so descriptive so that we can truly see what it looks like not to have God. I don't mean to, to skip ahead and go to go to the future, but that's why we needed Jesus. This is an example. This is what it's like when we're left to ourselves. This is what it looks like when we don't have Jesus to, to, to literally come in and connect us back to God. So sometimes we take it for granted that we do have Christ and we do have the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, this is what our lives would look like if Jesus did not die on the cross. Yeah. Those who once feasted in delicacies perish in the streets. Those who were brought up in purple embrace ash leaps, heaps. For the chastisement of the daughter of my people has been greater than the punishment of Sodom. He said, the punishment of Sodom pales in the comparison to the, the punishment that the children of God are now facing. He he burned Sodom to a crisp, but he did it instantly. They had to deal with this for 70 years. It was an agonizing, awful, horrific pain. And that's what life is without Christ. Which was overthrown in a moment and no hands were wrung for her. 
Her princes were purer than snow, whiter than milk. Their bodies were more ruddy than coral. The beauty of their form was like sapphire. Now their face is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as wood. Happier were the victims of the sword than the victims of the hungry, who wasted away, pierced by lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of compassion at women have boiled their children. They become their food during the destruction of the daughters of people. Mothers who are designed to give of themselves and give their children substance. In the book of Lamentation, the Bible says that they, they're, they're no longer giving their children food. They're boiling them and eating them. They become food. But the crazy part is that they had been killing their children before that. One of the biggest problems that God has was, was in the worship of Molech, you had to take your children and put them in the fire of Molech to kill your babies to worship this God. So they had already been in the custom of using their children and disregarding their value and putting them in fire. So to them, it was a, they had already been killing them, so why not eat them? Sin perverts everything. It perverts everything that would take the God-giving, nurturing spirit, the awesome nature of a woman, and take it to a place where she's eating the very thing she's supposed to take care of. This is Lamentations. This is the prophet Jeremiah describing in great detail what it looks like for the people of God and the sins coming home to roost. What does this leave us? What is, the, what is something else that we find in the descent and ruin of Jerusalem? Mo Idolatrous leaders lose God's protection. A part of why things went so bad is because the prophets and the men of God and the priests decide to chase other gods. They decide to be, operate in sexual immorality and they were killing other prophets who were speaking the word of the Lord. The Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe nor any of, of the inhabitants of the world that foe or enemy would enter to the gates of Jerusalem. They, the enemy did not believe that they could actually Get into Jerusalem to actually take them. I'm not going to read it. I pulled it up, but we don't have time. In Joshua 2, it talks about how when, they, when, when Joshua sent scouts to check out Jericho and the promised land to see if they can take it, that they, were living, they came in and, and a prostitute by the name of Rahab housed them and protected them so they wouldn't be killed. And she said that the, the description she said was, our hearts melted when we heard about what your God did to other nations. They said that their spirits left. So the enemy was so afraid of the children of God because of the God that was defending them, the God that was protecting them, the God that was moving on their behalf. So even the enemy knew that he could not touch the children of God because they had to go through God to get there, and that was impossible. 
So the children of Israel had a God with them that everybody else feared, and they decided to leave that powerful, awesome God to go chase idols of stone and gold that have no life. How God has protected us through the years. And sometimes we forget how big, how powerful, how strong he is. And we go chasing after things that, that can't even hold a candle to his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, and his care. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah. This was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. They wandered blind through the streets. They were so defiled with blood that no one was able to touch their garments. Away, unclean people, cried at them. Away, away, do not touch. So they became fugitives and wanderers. People said among the nations, they shall stay with us no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He will... He will regard them no more. No honor was shown to the priests, no favor to the elders. Because of these prophets and because of these priests and because of the blood on their hands, God said he made them blind and they became wanderers in the street. They had nowhere to go. And people were saying, don't touch them because they're unclean. They, they lived in fear and they had no place. They had no home. Because they made a decision to deny the word of the Lord, to take the position that he had given them. And do what they want to do with it. Use the power of God. Use the influence of God to fulfill their own desires and needs. And because of that, God said that's a part of the judgment. That I am judging my people because the leaders that I have called to lead will not stand up in truth. Will not stand up for righteousness. And will not stand up for the very God that created them. We need to be praying for godly, anointed Righteous and holy leaders that will tell the truth of the Lord no matter the consequences. That brings us to our final point. What else do we see in the descent to ruin? The end comes with a ray of hope. Our eyes failed ever watching vainly for help in our watching. We watched for a nation which could not save us, save us or it's not saved. So it says that when they were in, the, in, the, in trouble, they weren't looking to God. They were looking for help from another nation. That nation happened to be Egypt. Isn't that crazy? The very place that God delivered them from, that's where they was looking for help from? That had them enslaved, had them in bondage, and they were looking for help from other nations. Guess what? The nation is not going to get us out of this. God is the one that's going to get us out of all of the things that we're in. We cannot go to, I don't care what side of the fence you are. I don't care if you're blue, red, yellow, gold, whatever. It doesn't matter. God is the only one that can save this nation. God is the only one that can take us from ruin back into the promise. And once we as a church understand that, there's nothing that can stop us. There's no one who can stand in our way because our God is bigger than any political problem. He's bigger than any financial problem. And surely, he's bigger than any racial problem. 
Amen. Um, can I get my keyboard player up here? We coming to the close. Um, they dogged our steps so that we could not walk in our in, in our streets. Our end drew near. Our days were numbered for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles in the heavens. They chased us on the mountains. They lay in wait for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointing was captured in their pits of whom we said under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of us, but to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourselves bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. But you, but your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish, he will uncover your sins. So God says... At the end of this, this, this terrible, awful chapter of women eating their babies, men uh, killing prophets and uh, walking in idolatry. At the end of it, as dark and as terrible as it is, that God leaves hope. He leaves hope right at the end. God never gives us a proclamation without an option to come back to him. All this was about was us understanding our need for God. It wasn't about God wanting to do this. This was the last thing he wanted to do. But I'll say this to the people who may find themselves in a difficult situation right now. When the Babylonians came into Jerusalem, they took the noble, the young, the brightest, the smartest children and they took them into captivity so while Jeremiah and the people who were left in Jerusalem were lamenting were going through this awful horrible pain God was raising up Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he was raising them up so at the end of the 70 years he had Daniel as the number two guy in all of Babylon. So while we're in pain, God is working through a solution. So just because you don't see him, Jeremiah, just because all you see is scattered temples all over the ground, that you see bloodshed and pain everywhere, don't think for one second God isn't preparing a way out of all of that. And sometimes... When we're going through things, we can forget about that. So at the end of the 70 years, Daniel had authority over all of Babylon, which means he had authority over all of Jerusalem. So when Daniel gets down on his knees and he repents, when God forgives Daniel, he forgives Jerusalem because he has someone in authority in a place where if I forgive them then I forgive everyone but under them is this story about Jerusalem is this story about Jeremiah is this story about Daniel who is the hero in all of the stories who is the one that stood in the place and repented on behalf of humanity 
hung on a cross. The very thing that we see in lamentation. We all should have been going through that. But Jesus said, no, I'll take it. I'll take a million, an infinity amount of, infinity amount of lamentation punishment. And I'll take it on my back. So Jesus takes the weight of our sin so that we will not be disconnected from God. So we will not have to go through the cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle of sin. He came and he stopped it all. The Bible says, who the son sets free is free indeed. I'm here to tell you that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are free. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power to break the bondage and the shackles of pornography. He'll break it off of you. I'm a living witness. There was a time in my life where I had no control over my sexual character. The enemy, anytime he wanted me to do anything, he would just yank my chain. Tap my shoulder. You're doing this today. I don't want to. I'm tired. It's, 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 it's literally taking me down to the depths of, of insanity. But in that place of shackles and pain and shame, my Savior came down to me and he told me that he loved me and that he died so I can be free from it. a God that will free you from the hurt and the pain that come with the wounds of our parents he'll give you an understanding where he'll turn hate to a compassionate love and forgiveness and mercy he died so we can let it go he died so we can live in freedom so I say to everyone in this room today, there's an expiration date on your pain and that expiration date, it came in the form of the son of God. So it's already expired. When he died on the cross, your salvation already happened. So before you even stepped into the pain that you're in now, Jesus already solved that problem. Jesus already gave you what you needed to get through. So today I'm going to close this in prayer. So please stand to your feet. I want you to look at that thing that you're going through right now. I need you to look at that broken relationship. The thing that looks like it's never coming back. I need you to look it square in the face. I don't care what the sin is. I don't care. He used Paul and Paul killed Christians. Paul was a murderer and he murdered his children and God still used him. I don't care what you're facing today. The cross is enough. Jesus is enough. The anointing is enough. So you look at it and I want you to see it. And I want you to see the cross. And I want you to see your savior hanging on that cross.
And I want you to see the blood of Christ wiping away those sins. And I want you to see Jesus getting off of that cross and putting a beautiful white robe around you that represents the royalty that you truly are. God, we thank you today. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I thank you for this horrific experience that we've witnessed in Lamentations. I thank you that you've shown us what it looks like not to be connected with you. That you've shown us what it looked like not to be connected to Christ. So God, we thank you for that, but we also thank you that that is not our portion in life. That we will never have to experience that type of depravity because of your son. So God, we stand in the power of Jesus Christ today. And God, we say break every chain of sin that easily besets your children this morning. God, whatever they're going against, may the power of God set them free today. God, I pray that you take the taste out of their mouth, Lord. God, we come against the spirit of fear and shame in this place. That the power of God is enough. And God, we declare that we are your royal priesthood. We are your children. We are your kings, queens, and princesses and princes, God. So in the name of Jesus, God, would you lovingly restore us to your original purpose for us? God, would you surround us with people that will hold us accountable to our freedom? No, you said you wanted to be free, so you're going to stay free. You said you wanted to be free, so you're going to stay free. So God, we thank you and we praise you that in the middle of a pandemic, we are still alive, God. There is still hope in the earth. And God, I thank you and I praise you that we get to be a part of a church, God, that fights discord and stands in unity. No matter what, what the enemy throws at us, God, you have kept us together. So we thank you, we praise you, we love you. Give God a big praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.